Hello, my name is Lucy Lawrence and I'm the digital content producer here at Technology Networks. The episode that you're listening to right now is part of our wider podcast series that's focused on pursuing change in STEM. I am so excited to be part of it because it's a little bit different from our usual podcasts because creating space for women to thrive in their career in the STEM industry is obviously beyond critical to unlocking groundbreaking innovation and also delivering the advances that society just so desperately needs. But in so many situations, women and academics from underrepresented groups just don't have that safe space to be able to be heard and to make a difference. It is undeniable that there's this new generation of up and coming scientists who are just pushing the boundaries of what's possible across the globe. And this is something which just hasn't been unnoticed by SciEx. In addition to being a global leader in the field of mass spec, SciEx is helping to change the culture in science to one that harnesses the power of diversity, equity and inclusion, and ultimately encourages the progress of society at large. In order to do this, they created an initiative called Extraordinary Grace, which tells the story of an ordinary girl who has the potential to be extraordinary. Grace asked more than 1,300 members of the scientific community to mentor her, and they offered support and guidance inside and outside of science. As a result, loads of new opinions, as well as long suppressed challenges were uncovered as scientists from all over the globe opened up to Grace with their raw and honest experiences. From these findings, the change hypothesis was developed to address how to best pursue diverse perspectives in STEM and how to enable change that promotes the scientific progress of everyone. Grace recently presented this incredible keynote talk that explores her findings, and I would highly recommend that you use the link that we left in the description below to go ahead and listen to this keynote talk. In the episode that you're watching today, we are joined by Sisters in Science for our episode on reacting to bias in STEM. Sisters in Science are three incredibly inspiring women who started an Instagram account back in the January of 2021, and they basically just aim to break stereotypes. They show their daily life as scientists, including the difficult decisions they're faced with and how they help to normalise common problems in academic careers. Most of all, they strive for a more diverse and inclusive scientific world by inspiring young people to stay in or to choose a career in science. In this episode, they draw from their experiences with activism, as well as from being a mentor to Extraordinary Grace, who established the change hypothesis, an approach to improving conditions and culture in STEM. By listening to this podcast, you'll explore why Sisters in Science made it their priority to confront bias using education rather than anger to empower change in the science ecosystem. As I've already mentioned, though, I'd highly recommend listening to Grace's keynote talk using the description below, as this really does form the foundation of my discussion with Sisters in Science. But without further ado, I am excited that you are about to listen to my interview with Sisters in Science in full. Hi everyone, how are you all? Doing good. <laughs> we are very good. Very, very excited. Good. Brilliant. A bit hot. <laughs> yes. Weather, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us here today. This is a podcast I've been so excited to film with you all. And for anyone who doesn't know um, who we're speaking with today, it's Sisters in Science, who are a bit of a big deal over on social media, which is where I actually first found you all because you're challenging the stereotypes of what a scientist should look like. And let me tell you, I am a big fan. So 
Firstly, mainly for the benefit of our listeners, um, rather than the viewers who might be able to see you in this clip, uh, can you introduce yourselves if you'd like to start, Mimi? Yeah, sure. My name is Mimi. I'm a PhD student. I'm almost finishing my PhD uh, in analytical chemistry, so in uh, mostly in multidimensional chromatography. And uh, yeah, I'm part of the Sisters in Science. Noor? Yeah, so uh, I'm Noor. Um, I kind of finished my PhD. I just need to defend. Um, I focused on um, yeah, multidimensional separations with, uh, with combination of 3D printing. And since March, I started working as a scientist in the National Metrology Institute here in Netherlands. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, of course, my name is Lotte and uh, I am working as a lecturer at the moment for our master's degree analytical sciences uh, at the University of Amsterdam. But in about two weeks, I will start my new job as educational researcher. So um, oh, that's very awesome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, the third part of Sisters in Science, of course. Perfect. And my first question has got to be, since obviously your Instagram page and website were kind of set up because there was a lack of role models in the science world. What were your influences behind you all becoming scientists? What sort of made you want to get into science in the first place? That's a really nice question. We get it a lot, actually, um, of course. Uh, and I think that the story differs a lot for all three of us. So I'll just start because I kind of have a maybe a softer story let's say so i had a very nice uh, high school teacher uh, she was amazing her name was geertje and i really liked her she always wore like very floral dresses and she was very colorful and and, and nice. communicative and fun i thought oh if exactly she was fun and she made chemistry quite fun so i thought okay if she can do this then i can picture myself being a chemist as well and um, I, I spoke to her a lot, of course, about about chemistry. And when I was in high school, there was this whole kind of promotion for uh, the exact for the natural sciences, uh, especially for girls. So I was kind of pushed towards it as well. But I also was very good at it. So I enjoyed it in that sense. But it quite differs from the other ladies. <laughs> so maybe Noor? I OK, yeah. I uh, I had uh, well, my choice to be a scientist. Well, let's say my choice to study chemistry was because the image was clear. I could Google mm -hmm. and I could say to my parents, if you study chemistry, you probably work in the lab somewhere, it doesn't matter what application, but the image was kind of mm -hmm. clear for them. Um, so that was practically the choice to study chemistry. It's just when I rolled in the whole studies, I realized that the image was not how it was supposed to be. So it made me doubt, but I still stuck with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and when I, I um, didn't really want to study chemistry or wasn't really interested in science when I started my studies, because I had these stereotypes about what chemistry is like and why you should learn it, I was actually convinced that if you would study chemistry, the only thing you can do with it is to teach other people how to use it. Same, but actually. <laughs> I, I thought there was like no jobs in it mm -hmm. and like well, very limited idea. So um, yeah, and the more I, well, when I started studying, there was this uh, subject that was very broad. So it had a lot of subjects and one of them was chemistry and I was really good at it. So I was like, well, okay, I will do it. And then later I will probably go out of it. And 
yeah, here we are, um, fourth year PhD chemistry. So <laughs> that really didn't work out the way I planned. But I also learned a lot about the science field that really made me interested, maybe pretty late compared to other people that are in chemistry. And then kind of going on from that, I guess it's potentially two questions in one. But how did you all meet? And then another thing is, why did you start Sisters in Science? Kind of a two prong question here. <laughs> This is Mimi's expertise area. So ah, here we go. Go ahead and give it to her. <laughs> give it to Mimi. <laughs> yeah, so um, Lotte and I met um, about nine years ago when we both started chemistry. So we know uh, when we were babies, <laughs> we were, I think, uh, I remember choosing chemistry and thinking I will never have any good friends in chemistry because I had these ideas about people doing chemistry. And then the first practical I had was with Lotte. And then I was like, okay maybe not <laughs> so well yeah and also those practicals can be pretty long and tiring so you really need a partner in crime to get you through those so yeah we really found that. each other there <laughs> and um yeah over the years uh, yeah we were of course friends but we chose different paths in our in our uh, education um but then i started my phd and also during my master's i met Noor, and she was already doing a phd where i was doing a phd uh, so we met there and then um, in the middle of COVID, uh, Lotte joined our group, which was very nice, of course, because she, well, she joined. And then we, well, we sat together and slowly we started to get this idea that we wanted to do something with showing chemistry to the world. Um, and that's where Sisters in Science was originally intended for. Um, yeah, so we were like super cute, taking our Instagram, <laughs> making pictures of, look, we're in a lab and uh, this is what we do. Um, and I think in the first interview already, we got this like stereotypical questions. And then we were like, whoa, there's a lot more fire in us to, um, to break those stereotypes than actually only showing what a chemist looks like. So that's where, our, where that story kind of originated from. I think because we all battled with stereotypes uh, during our career, um, and then suddenly that all came together in this uh, in this initiative that we could suddenly really speak for that. So, and then kind of touching on that point, actually, what if you don't mind me asking, were the stereotypes that you had all encountered? I guess number one from others, number two was there some from within as well, and kind of asking that question to all of you really. Nor would you like to start? Maybe Nor can start. Yeah. Yeah. Should I start? <laughs> yeah. yeah. For me, the stereotypes within I, I will make it very niche in chemistry. Mm -hmm. I realized it already during my internships when I was doing internship during my bachelor's study. Um, it, it was very man world, let's say. So I couldn't see much women uh, working in the lab, uh, let alone women of color. So that really made me doubt often, like, did I make the right choice to study chemistry? Am I doing the right thing? And it growed more when I started doing masters. And even when I'm doing my PhD, I was like, okay, what's going on? Why do I don't see much women in, of color in the, in the field? So for me, that was really, um, yeah, very a stereotype that uh, it was still around me. Um, yeah. And if I can add to that, like, this is the, the, the niche world, as Nora said, so really the chemistry world. But outside of this world, our friends, our family, our 
acquaintances when you you tell them you're gonna study chemistry they're like whoa why yeah <laughs> you know kind of that's disgusting yeah. why would you do that uh aren't you the only girl aren't you too pretty for that oh, oh you must so be nerdy super smart yes. i have been called a nerd so many times and i actually only realized now that we have sisters in science how hurtful that actually is it's not nice to be called a nerd because it's a it's a stereotype and actually it's a guy you know a nerd is it originally is just you see this white man and it's it's just offensive you know and i've been called that by a lot of friends and okay i understand i have these stereotypes myself but it's it's not nice to be called that so many times so there's this in the chemistry world but also outside of it where we just see um a chemist or scientist as a certain image and this is what we like to challenge with people as well and with ourselves of course i wonder where that comes from because i it is kind of ingrained isn't it and i is it kind of the media that's portraying this kind of stuff i wonder where that comes from to be honest i think it's media but i think it's yeah I think it's two things. I mean, like the the image that you have of a scientist, of course, the media is really is able to change it. So I think that media is one of the, well, let's say one of the things that can change the stereotypes within the world. But I think it's also something that you that you that you take on for generations because, I mean, if my children will hopefully um, <laughs> will not be thinking that chemistry is only for boys or those kind of things. But if you don't have people in your surroundings that do it, you, you kind of pass it on. Because I remember when I was a student um, that when I went out and went to a party, and people asked me what I did. I did everything to not talk about what I do, because if people hear that I would um, uh, to study chemistry or do something in chemistry, they would either walk away <laughs> or start to put me like as an exceptional human being, like, oh, you must be super smart and we cannot communicate. Or they would say a lot of stereotypes about me not fitting into that world. So, uh, and I was on holiday a couple of weeks ago and we had this canoeing um, trip with two, uh, with another pair. And um, the, one, the guy, the, he asked me what, or me and my boyfriend, what we did. And I really didn't want to go there because I didn't want to explain. <laughs> and then I said, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a chemist. I do, uh, I do research. And he was like, uh, uh, oh, okay. And like, <laughs> they don't know what to just, say. <laughs> it just ruins the conversation mm-hmm. because he doesn't know what to say. I don't want to like help him a lot with it because <laughs> it's just it's so exceptional that mm-hmm. doesn't. Well, so um, yeah, I wanted to <laughs> to say that but as well. Also- it's funny because I I immediately feel the urge to prove myself. That yes. did you have that as well? Like, oh, uh, you don't know what it is. It's very important, it you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. No, but you should know what it is because it's super important. <laughs> I get that urge to I don't know defend it or something. Do you think that's been made easier through COVID because everyone ca- kind of now has a slight more understanding of science, or or not? Well, I think it's it kind of has two uh, two sides to it. On the one hand, I think a lot a lot of people know more about science, but I feel like there's a lot of distrust um, in the sciences now, and or it has become much clearer that that is a problem. Let's say. So um, I hear friends also. Friends have come to me as well, like, "Oh, do you know about this stuff? Can I trust this?" Uh, 
how does that work? How does the vaccine work? How does this COVID test work? Like, I don't know the details about it, but I maybe have a bit broader understanding of that as we all chemists do, scientists do. So I feel it has two sides. I think there's a, a, a lot more interest maybe in the sciences, but there's also this distrust, this, this, this gap becomes much clearer because of the COVID uh, situation. And if I want to add on the other part, which is the interest, it makes me, if I want to explain what I'm doing with work to my friends, I could easily talk about COVID because it's so relatable. So I can say, oh, do you know about this COVID test? That is actually separation, you know, and then I can relate it to my work. So that helps sometimes with the conversation. To bring it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But what, what I then also find very difficult is that we do something that is kind of relatable. Um, but if someone is doing something that, well, okay, so in this specific conversation that I had, there was also this, uh, his girlfriend, she was uh, working for this food company that made food for um, uh, domestic animals, something like this. So I was like, and then everyone knows. Everyone's like, oh yeah. I was like, yeah, I've got a pet. Whatever. I think someone's got a pet. <laughs> But just because they cannot comprehend what you're doing, uh, and it's so difficult, um, because also with COVID tests, if you say, I made COVID tests, it's like, oh, you only made COVID tests, right? Like, so it's a kind of, like, there's this... <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> no. So it just it just needs so much more, um, so much more conversation and so much more um, time, I think, also on, in media. Because if you look at, for example, astronomy, I find that very interesting that astronomy is very um, is very loved by people. Like a lot of people love talking about astronomy and love other people write black holes, but that's like super far away. <laughs> and the molecules are right here, you know? So, and that world that's so close, but we just cannot see it. Um, it people, people like chemistry is, 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 is black hole within natural sciences um, that makes it really hard to, yeah, to make it uh, to make it attractive for the audience because it's also like a lot of things of chemistry are often uh, saying that things are like, harmful or you know, but there are also really positive sides that can like change the world in fuel and uh, those kind of things. You make a really good point that people do they're kind of a bit more fascinated with you know like space and things whereas actually everything that we're doing here is right here in front of us it's either us or it's in front of us or it makes up something that we use every single day so that's <laughs> that's such a good point and to add to that everything in space is chemistry as well so true all of the stars all of the light literally yes. Is chemistry. <laughs> yes everyone should study chemistry <laughs> and then going back to the stereotypes how do you guys as sisters in science as a collective try to break stereotypes around scientists with your initiative i think the one of the one of the main things that we want to do with the initiative is to take some space within the media um, to show that these three uh people, persons, <laughs> are also uh, our chemists. So I think that is like the first thing that we try to do is to show ourselves. We show that uh, scientists are uh, individuals that, um, that are different from the stereotype and that the stereotype is not so true as it is. 
I think that is the one of the biggest things that we try media-wise to the to the greater audience. And I think I'm going to give it to Lotte now because I think she will add the next thing. <laughs> the next thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe more specifically to the to the chemistry audience. Let's say we kind of have three um, goals or three. How do I say this word? I'm sorry, I lost it. Goals. Yeah, people we want to target. So we have kind of the younger target groups. Thank you. Um, so we want to we, we want to uh, target three groups, kind of three ages, let's say, into this 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 career stage. So we have the younger people who did not yet choose any career paths or maybe uh, studies that they want to do. So these are maybe the high school students or even younger. And we want to show them that one chemistry is fun to um, our offices and our work life look like this. We are not constantly wearing a lab coat. We have fun at work. We're not super nerds. We're just normal people. We communicate. We have fun. We have a drink on Friday evening. You know, it's 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 fun to be a chemist. It's relatable. It's relatable. Um, and we also target the, the group that already decided or ch chose chemistry let's say bachelor student, master students, but maybe feel like, hmm, do I belong here? Um, how do I go further? How do I go on? I don't know anything about this world that's coming towards me. So for them, we want to explain how this scientific academic uh, career looks like, you know, uh, all of these, these difficult subjects when, when uh, publishing papers, when dealing with your PhD, uh, maybe even educational kind of track that I chose. We want to show them everything that is possible. Also industry, Nora now works in industry. So um, these are all kind of things that we want to show them and that there's a place for everybody there. Um, however, here we do not want to shy away from the difficult subjects as maybe for women, it is more difficult to get at the professor level or to get higher up, you know, but by talking about it, we can make it more visible and we can prepare people for what is coming and what they should expect. Um, so we don't want to put like a rosy world out there, uh, have uh, tainted glasses or something, but we want to show them the real world, but that we still feel like we fit in it and that they can as well. Um, and then the, the third target group is really the broad audience, right? We just want to show people that we are here and we are chemists and that people should change or at least become aware of their own stereotypes revolving around a scientist. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's that actually like, powerful. <laughs> like now you're saying it, you're actually describing like maybe even the several stages of grace, right? Like, um, yeah, because we think it's also really because our, our Instagram page is mostly focused on the group that is already in chemistry and people often say like, like isn't that really is that really your target group but i mean looking at ourselves like myself um i'm like now like this decision what i'm gonna do next is gonna come is, is coming pretty close and i am constantly telling myself that i don't belong here so actually i just have to like look at our like our own instagram like the things that we that we're saying are really important for people to hear because I can understand that if you think that you don't look like the average guy, <laughs> you are less smart, less this, less that, which is not true. And I think that we're losing a lot of diversity already for the people that are in entering the field, but then are leaving the field because they're told that, well, your communication skills are 
not really useful in here, which is, I think, not really the case. But we just think that that's not useful because we never had people that had those skills. So, um, yeah, that. <laughs> I love that. And I think your Instagram and your website are so important because I'd seen a quote somewhere that said, if you can see it, you can be it. And that literally is you guys. That is that is what your Instagram is for. And I think it's so important. Thanks a lot. That means a lot to us. It's no problem at all. <laughs> um, and I guess um, you all will have done this already, but are there any specific initiatives, or programs or movements that you've already been involved with which helped promote inclusive environments or mitigate barriers that kind of the underrepresented or underreported communities within STEM might be facing? Well, there are a few, I think, on a very local, um, how do I say that, local level, we have, uh, we're making kind of tutorial videos for high school students uh, with the Royal Dutch Chemical Society, the KNCV in Dutch. Oh, nice. So this is an initiative by the Royal Dutch Chemistry Society, the KNCV in Dutch. And they have this, uh, this website, which is called the Vraagbaak, where volunteers, chemical volunteers, answer the questions from high school students. And uh, we're making of, of very difficult subjects. Let's say we make uh, short tutorial videos where we explain these topics. And in September, we have a new run of these videos uh, coming up, uh, where we also, of course, we present ourselves as chemists and we say we are chemists as well. So that kind of breaks the stereotype again. Um, but in in uh, in Holland, uh, a lot of the tutorials or the the bylaws. I, I keep losing tutorials. No, it yeah, is tutorials. It is tutorials. Yeah, homeschooling or ex, you know extra additional lectures for the students. Um, they are not for free. They are actually very expensive. So a lot of parents need to pay money to have uh, extra help for their for their children and. This kind of the social economical uh, disbalance, this this gap between uh, in money uh, is is really uh, causing a lot of in inequality for the students, and we feel like offering this for free uh, could really help students who cannot afford this extra help, uh, and that's why this is one of these initiatives on a very local level that for us helps to get more diversity and inclusion in the STEM sciences. Yeah, I think to add also to add to that, like um, because of this extra extra teaching and tutoring uh, going on in the Netherlands, like we have this like shadow education that um, that that people that are rich do do get better grades. But chemistry and physics and mathematics they are often the subject that that students struggle with the most. So they're often the the, the the subjects that people do tend to get these extra lessons for. So then you really this this balance only gets worse if you look to chemistry. And if those people are told that they are not good because they just had a difficult teacher, like they didn't have a good connection, uh, but, but whatever. Um, then these people will not choose to study chemistry because why would you choose a subject that you're that you're told that you're not good at? So um, yeah, so yeah, the, as Lotte said, with this we can really uh, we hope to really uh, help those students that um, that fall between these uh, institutions. How did you guys get involved in that? Did you reach out to them, or did they reach out to you, or had you kind of seen it and been involved? 
Yeah, so what happened is that uh, we already had some ties to the chemistry association before, uh, and they were busy with that with the Vraagbaak, so the place where the, pe the people could post their questions. Uh, and we sat around the table because we, we really felt that we could do something for each other. And then we started this conversation and I remember it because um, it was a very, uh, it was a Zoom call because everything was on Zoom those days. Um, but we were all like, uh, we heard like so many things that, about inequality and that people were, uh, well, the people almost wanted to promote the things that were making this unequal world. So we got so passionate, like, oh, we really, really want to do something about this. We really want to, uh, we really want to, well, use our time for this. And um, that's kind of how it happened. So it, they already had an idea, I think, but we really were, they were looking for the face and we could be that. I love that. Um, moving on to one of the next questions I have is, and I know that we've already semi-touched on it, have any of you come across biases in whichever form they may come throughout your STEM journey? Uh, I, yes, <laughs> let's start with that. Um, I would just want to start with some that I found within. Um, because I feel like we, we encounter biases from outside, from people looking at us. But I also found in our journey from Sisters in Science, I found a lot from within. Because I feel like when we talk about biases and diversity and inclusion, we need to be reflective about our own biases. And uh, I've come across many uh, of my own. Um, when we are at Science Park, um, there are not a lot of people wearing a hijab like Noor. And um, this is a, a bias that I unfortunately have myself, but I've become very aware of it, that I, if I see someone with a hijab, I think of Noor. Because that's, that's my image of a hijab, it's Noor. So this is something that I've become very, very aware of myself. And I think it's important to tell these type of, type of things because we promote diversity and inclusion and we, we we are against biases, let's say, we are against these stereotypes, but we all have them. It's perfectly okay, it's perfectly normal. Just become aware of it and try to um, act in a different way and talk to people about it. Let's create the safety to talk about it because I feel, we feel that that's very, very important just to start about these biases. Yeah. I think that's a really, really important topic to touch on actually, that you're voicing that opinion and so it does kind of become a bit of a safe space that other people will be thinking, oh yeah, I, I feel the same and let's challenge this together. I love that. Yeah, I think I think what, what Lotte is saying is really, really important because it's not that we're as sisters in science pointing our finger towards people that have bias against us or those kind of things and the fact that we're called sisters in science is just because we are three women and we feel connected through science. Uh, but we don't really like we we didn't really start this to promote hard uh, diversity only for women or those kind of things. Um, well, I've I've encountered some things um, that I think are still not comparable to things that other people experience. Because besides the fact that I'm a woman, I'm still ticking a lot of other boxes that make me more privileged than other people. Um, but still as a woman, I've encountered some things that I now start to realize that weren't so clean, how I like, I laughed it away and later on I think, uh, oh wait, I shouldn't have done that and I should have been more 
also take the responsibility to tell other people that they are crossing a line because if they don't hear that they are crossing a line they are also not aware of it and we can't really blame them either um so that what happened was like this week i had a presentation and um I went pretty okay, I think. <laughs> and when we were finished, the the person that was like talking all the presentations to each other, this was an, an older man, he said to me, um, I want to give you a comment instead of, he not, never asked if I wanted a comment, but he gave me the comment. And then he said uh, something about that I was very too serious during my talk and that I should uh, interact with my audience more and make more jokes. And then I was like, I first said something about like, this is why, why do you take even the time to say those kind of things? But then later, and like a moment later, so I told him, I said like, it's really inappropriate for an old guy to say to a younger woman that she should smile more. <laughs> so I'm just telling you this, you probably didn't, wouldn't say this to a, a guy student. <laughs> so, um, and then he said like, yeah, I would definitely have done that. I was like, okay, well then don't say it at all. Like, um, but it was really for me, um, uh, it was really, it was, I, I really liked that I was actually so fast in my head that it was like, I want to say something about this. Um, and then I was together with my colleague who was standing there as well. And we were then, when he, he kind of like, was like, well, and then he went away. And then my colleague was just, he started to laugh and I was like, what's wrong? He's like, I can't believe you just said that. And he was like super proud and we were together super proud. And I was like talking to everyone, look what I said, <laughs> kind of like this. So I think it's very, it's it takes some time as well to realize that the things that you've been laughing away are actually biases towards, well, not specifically you, but just like the system is designed like this. And the moment we start to be aware of it, we can all together change it. But if you are not aware of the things that are happening to you, there's no way anyone can change. So um, that was my story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Can I give one comment? Yeah, yeah, of course. Because you know when you want to give me a comment guy, or no. uh, <laughs> can I can I comment on your stuff? Of course. Well, um, <clears throat> when he would have said this to a guy, I I bet that he would have said, "You are very serious. I really like that." That's really professional of you. It would have been delivered in a completely different way. I think he felt intimidated by you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I hope so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm not like a bulldog and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's really, it's great that you could respond in the moment because we, with the sister, with the three of us, we often have situations where we are put into this stereotype again. We once had a picture taken for a newspaper and they asked us to bring out our lab coats and glassware and we really needed some time to kind of think this through like the first thing in our heads was like yeah of course because we're, we'll be in the newspaper and they need that and then we kind of reflected on it like no because this is not the message that we want to uh we want to say mm -hmm. it's convey. sort of feeding Thank into you. it isn't it yeah and this was a, a moment where we could reflect on it, but there are many moments where we're on stage like that happens and we don't have the time or space or safety to respond in that way. So I really compliment you, Mims, on being able to respond in that way. I think that one moment on stage is also like, I think worth mentioning. We did a, so we've created this story 
about uh, our grace. She's called Sarah. <laughs> and um, in, this, in this story, we, we present the world where she lives, where there's no stereotypes. And then we kind of channel back and then we tell something about our initiative. And we, this is like, it's almost like theater because we're doing it together. We're alternating and it's, well, it's really imaginative. And when we were done with this presentation a couple of weeks ago, the, um, the presenter or the host, he came on the stage and he said, ah, were you nervous? And we were just finishing with our presentation. And he like he really made us so small, like, oh, the cute little girl's so nervous, instead of, wow, what a good presentation. It was the first thing he said. And and that in that moment, like we were, we were also the three of us, we kind of like went inside. We were overwhelmed. We kind of yeah. We were overwhelmed. Yeah. And I got so mad afterwards that I still think like I, I wanted really to to tell him that 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 is really not appropriate. And that he shouldn't have said that, especially not in front of a complete audience that suddenly, yeah, they kind of like... Because we lost all of our, our kind of performance, let's say. We, we, we had this amazing performance. It was, about, it was about Sarah. It was about this girl. It was not about us. And he made it about us in a very negative way, like nervous little girls on a stage. But we... We present a story so much bigger than that. And we kind of want to say it's bigger than us. It's not about us. It's not about our nerves, about how we look, about what we want, about what we feel. It's about this whole world. And he just made it in one sentence. It was gone. And that's such a waste. And it's, it's very confronting that, that that is what you're also trying to, to remove from the world, that you give a story and then suddenly you're like, okay, this was exactly why we gave the presentation. This is exactly <laughs> the reason why. I think it's so, so um, important yeah. that you guys are talking about it as well because I myself personally, when I was in the lab, I very similar situations to you guys where I was giving a presentation and then afterwards um, I someone came up to me and commented on my voice and said that my voice was too soft and maybe I you know as a tip I should try and be more like, like a deeper tone in my voice and number one I was thinking this is how I talk what would you like me to yeah, do about this is that? Me. <laughs> number two this is the problem but I think I, there's going to be so many people who are in very similar situations to the ones we've just discussed that seeing you guys together listening to this podcast the whole situation are going to feel so much more empowered to be able to number one if someone says something like that to them to kind of understand it digest it see this kind of the whole grace initiative to kind of say that's something that we're challenging at the moment this is the reason why we're doing it and it kind of gives them that kind of encouragement I think to move through it yeah and to add on 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 this I think I have a similar example that I can show, um, I can always tell. I once, someone told me that um, I was introducing myself, it was like new new group. I was in, I think it was like high school student or something. And someone told me like, you speak very well Dutch. So first time I heard this, I laughed it off. I was like, ha, thank you. But then I went back home. I was like, wait a second. That is, that's, that's not a compliment. That is actually very offensive to say to someone who grew up in this country, being here as a child and grow up and then saying, you speak good Dutch. But I was like, you know what? The next time someone else will tell me, which I believe it will happen and it happened, I will 
say something else instead of laughing it off. So it happened to me when I uh, started to work the very first day. And someone during the lunch break told me, he said, oh, you speak very good Dutch. I was like, in my head, I was like, not again. <laughs> but then I replied back to him, you too. And he was <laughs> like, wait a second. <laughs> Which was, I was so proud of it. But then um, I was speaking to a friend and she told me, he said, it was a good response. But maybe you should have explained to him why this was actually offensive to say. And in my mind, I was like, you're right. I, we, I didn't have the courage, or maybe I forgot at the moment to actually speak to him, maybe not in the same moment, but afterwards to say, you know, you remember that comment you said was actually not wrong, uh, actually wrong to say. And then I was like, in my brain, it's like, if ever, if it happens to be for the third time, <laughs> I this will, is the plan. I will, that, yeah, exactly. And I think with these situations, we, instead of, laughing it off or respond in an, in a way to make him feel worse let's say about a comment that he said maybe we should have we should actually sound stupid be, be prepared to explain what you said is actually wrong and also like have a conversation right like it's 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 really not about like you're completely Attacking. 100% wrong mm -hmm. it's just like yeah. you educating. probably come from a place yeah educating exactly and i do want to like if people listen to this and they will hear this and they feel under like they feel understood, then I do think like don't blame yourself if you don't respond because uh, it's really understandable that you don't respond because in that situation it can also be very unsafe to respond or feel very unsafe to respond. So, um, but I do hope that that people when they hear this they they will start to realize those things are not okay. So just have an explanation at least in, in our own heads uh, why we feel uh, a certain way about certain things. So, and then like try to create a, a space where it is safe to, to reply to those people, especially in a conversation way. But we've also come a long way to, to, to understand Sorry, that's what I wanted to say. It takes a lot of time. We've been into this for a year, more than a year now, and we've been like very intensively working on this. And 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 we're still far away from there to comment on these things in the moment, in the right way. It's a process, and it's really a learning process. And you really have to challenge yourself to see these biases, but also reflect on your own. That's very important. And you can create the safety with that to, to talk about these things because we're not perfect. Nobody is perfect. And we shouldn't want that as well. Absolutely. One thing touching the bias again, that I certainly have seemed to find in STEM is funding bias, which I'm sure many people who are listening along to the podcast can also relate to. So really what I wanted to ask you guys is, what suggestions would you provide to people from underrepresented communities that are looking for those funding opportunities? Well, maybe to start, we were very uh, honored to receive the NWO Diversity Initiative Award. So this is the, the Dutch uh, Council for Research, let's say, Research Council. Um, so we were granted this uh, of 50,000 euros, which was amazing price for us to receive for our initiative. Yeah. So maybe the first thing that I would like to say about this uh, 
from us as citizen science is that there are opportunities for other funding except for these research fundings and they may not be as extensive as um, the ones that you may want to get for your research but there are smaller uh, grants for your kind of initiatives of diversity and inclusion at least in the netherlands they, there are yeah and then from like another point like we're all pretty young scientists and we haven't been really involved in, in funding applications because the system in the netherlands is like this that we uh, we the, the funding is uh, the professor gets the funding and then we get in the project when the project is already funded, which is uh, luckily very uh, well safe space in that sense that we don't need to 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 perform those funding steps at least for our very young scientific career. Uh, so we haven't really experienced those uh, so those things that we don't really know like all the other uh, things that we can give other people tips for unfortunately but i would say uh try to find role models and people in your scientific area that you can share your story with i think that 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 is that could that's something that i would do but this is not really from a um from a senior point of view of course um, and then Finally, one of the final things I have to say is um, if each of you got the opportunity to speak directly with someone like Grace, what message would you give to them? If you want to start, Mimi? Go for it, I would say. Just all the things that you met, that all the restrictions that you have in your head, uh, throw them away. Um, they're probably not true based on stereotypes that are present but are also not true. Uh, like, don't let those things hold you back in making your decisions that, that will shape your life. And someone has to be the first. So um, that's what I think that's, that's what I would say to Grace. <laughs> do, just do it. <laughs> what about you, No. Cool. Uh, same thing. Like, go for it. Um, not holding your back. Like, don't be insecure if you feel like, oh, What's going on around me? Should I be here? Yes or no? Just go for it. And I always say this example, like if you're crossing like a pedestrian crossing where the car should stop for you and you should cross over, you, you don't remember those cars who stopped. You always remember that freaking one car who didn't stop. <laughs> That's a great exactly, example. Right? And then you feel afraid because the next time you're crossing over, you're going to look twice right and left to make sure that even the car that should stop, it's stopping and then you cross over. That feeling of being afraid, I will say to Grace, just get it out of the system and just cross. Because they that is that is their mistake and not you. You're doing good. You're just following what you should follow. And that is the example that I still have to live by. That's powerful. I love that. I really want to add something to this. Yeah, I love it. And it's something that pops up in my head as well, is that sometimes you have to take this first step to make people stop, right? Like you have to like try like put your leg out to see that they're gonna stop right because if you're gonna stand people are just gonna go right so i love the analogy noor thank you i'm getting goosebumps of my own example <laughs> <It's perfect>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to close that i will continue this um because it's so much easier and fun to not do it alone and you get so much further if you do not do it alone and you I know the scientific world is a very 
individualistic kind of world, but we're kind of tackling it with the three of us. And I couldn't be more thankful for that. Uh, I learned so much about myself, about you guys, about working together, about the scientific world. So if I would cross that, I would please do not do it alone and find people who are like-minded and um, face it, face the fear together. So sadly, we're coming to the end of the podcast, but to round things off, I actually am going to invite you to play a little bit of a game where I start a sentence and then you have to finish it. Um, we'll say one, I'll say one sentence first and then you guys can each answer individually. So the first start to the sentence I have is, I love science because... I love science because I love puzzling and there is that you know it's a world where things are undiscovered so that's such a, a challenge and that's amazing. I love that what about you know? I love science because it's it's everywhere and it is needed. Love it. I love science because um you can grow exponentially in science. I think like you you start, everything is new, everything is exciting, but you go, well, you feel that you're going pretty slow and then suddenly you start to get a hang of it and you're, yeah, you just feel on top of the world. So that is something that, a feeling that I really got from science that I never expected to get. So um, that's why I love science. My second one is science is. It's fun. Science is fun. Science is important, um, cool, uh, very diverse, uh, not in people, unfortunately, <laughs> but in the things that we do, uh, it should be more diverse in people. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just a lot of, uh, it has a lot of things. In it's it. for everyone. It's, and it's for everyone. I think that's, yeah, let's end with that. Let's end that. for everyone. Look, yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love it, yeah. And then my last one is the future of science should be diverse and inclusive. <laughs> She's smashed out the park already. There we go. <laughs> okay, Nora, go for another home run. Uh, Stereotype free. You're taking away all the things. Um, um, and the future of science is together. Perfect. That is a lovely way to end this podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, um, joining the conversation that's really changing the future of science. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank Thanks you for having us. Thanks yeah. for having these wonderful conversations. Uh, yeah. and for the safe environment. Thanks for listening to this episode and a special thanks to Sisters in Science for what has to be one of my favourite podcasts to date. And of course, thanks to the Extraordinary Grace campaign. We hope you enjoyed listening and if you did, be sure to one, listen to Grace's keynote, which is linked below. And two, make sure you subscribe to Opinionated Science so you can join us again very soon. <laughs>